1: Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bucus Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling.
0: This morning, Kettering, I want to invite you into the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, We'll begin our reading at verse 17. The word of the Lord reads as follows. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in earth, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Father, in your name, we thank you for the word of God. And we pray even now that your spirit will continue to move in this place to speak to the very hearts of those who are listening. Father, I pray that if there's any who are listening and do not know you as Lord and Savior of their life, that today would be the day that they would surrender their heart to you and become a child of the living God. I pray for those who are drifting in fellowship that today, God, they would renew the broken fellowship, return to the fold, and be faithful to the one who saved them and loved them best. Father, I pray that your word today will be an encouragement to my brothers and my sisters, edifying to those, Lord God, who need spiritual edification, that we might grow to be more like you. Father, in the name of Jesus, let this word accomplish what you have designed for it to accomplish. And I need you, Heavenly Father. I need your strength. I need your clarity of speech and articulation, Lord, that you might declare a word that's clear in our hearing so that you can get all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Lord, have your way even now in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And while I'm praying, God, I pray that you would bind every spirit that's not of you, that the word of God would not be hindered from accomplishing its assignment. Have your way in this place in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Kettering, we've been on a journey preaching through a small series of messages entitled, Do We Need the Church? Uh, We kind of addressed this subject matter as we look around us and are dealing with a culture that is shifting and in its belief and its ideology in believing that somehow the church has become irrelevant and unnecessary. And so we began preaching through just a series of messages just to answer the question, do we need the church, we started our journey in Hebrews chapter 10. We spoke to you from the idea, our inherent obligation to attend church. We have, as a result of what God has done for us, and as our high priest, and as our one who shed his blood, we have an inherent obligation to attend church. In Ephesians chapter 4, in our second part of the series, we spoke from the idea, the benefits of the church. The church understanding and realizing that we are dealing with and speaking to a culture of people who are always interested in what's in it for me. What's the benefit to me? Well, we answered the question in Ephesians chapter 4 by letting you know that the benefit of the church is for the equipping of the saints. The church is the place where the saints come to get equipped to do the work of the ministry. Uh, Is not only for the equipping of the saints, but we have the benefit of being equipped, but also for the edifying of the saints. So it's the place where the saints come to be edified, to be uh, educated, to be uh, shaped and prepared to go do the work. It's also finally the place where effective working together of the saints takes place. We come together to work together, to accomplish the assignments of God. So we have, if you will, from Ephesians, at least three ideas that uh, or benefits, if you will, for the church itself, equipping the saints, edifying the saints, and the effect of working together of the saints. On this morning, we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 16, and in still trying to answer this question, do we need the church? We get an opportunity here, after looking at our inherent obligation and uh, to go to church and the benefits of the church itself, we get a chance to look here in on Jesus's first mention of the church. It's his first occasion in all of Scripture in his incarnate presence where he begins to mention the church, and in his mentioning of the church, and in his dialogue about the church, he uncovers for us, if you will, his plan for the church from its infancy. It's always good to know why something was put in place in the first place before you throw it out. So before you dismember the church, before you say it's irrelevant, let's find out why he put it together in the first place. What purposes does he have for it in the first place? And so we get a chance to kind of look in on that in this text just to uncover, if you will, some of the foundational purposes of the church as he laid it out in his first address of it in the first place. Today I want to talk to you from the subject matter, We Need the Church to Claim the Corridor. Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, our theme for this year has been claiming our corridor for Christ. It is our responsibility as born-again children of God to be involved in claiming that which is around us for Christ. It is our responsibility as children of God to go and, and declare what is ours that God has given to us, even as God spoke to the children of Israel and said to them, I've given you all the land, but you need to go out and claim it. And so in essence, we've been given all the land. We just need to walk out and claim it. And so if we're going to claim the corridors, if we're going to claim the unsaved folk in our community, if we're going to claim Upper Marlboro community, if we're going to claim Maryland, if we're going to claim D.C. and Virginia, if we're going to claim the United States, if we're going to claim the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need the church to do so. In this text, as we look at it, we get to look in on what is a private conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. Uh, He's been ministering all around town and all around about, and he brings his disciples off here, and they have in this kind of private conversation with them. He asks them this very profound question, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they begin to give him all kinds of answers, some saying that you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah or some other prophet, you know, all kinds of answers that men are giving. And then he comes back and asks them even the more deeper, more profound question. And this is the question I think is relevant for every person that you come in contact with and perhaps even a relevant question to you. But who do you say that I am? Because that's really what it comes down to, brothers and sisters. Who do you say that he is? Is he just another prophet? Is he uh, an Elijah? Is he a John the Baptist? Who is he? Who do you say that he is? And so uh, Peter, in Peter-like form, y'all know Peter. Peter, foot in mouth Peter. Peter, who always has something to say about everything. Peter, who can't hold himself. Peter jumps right out and says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Quite a declaration from a person who you may deem to be careless in their speech. But not on this occasion, for Peter's acclamation, Peter's declaration that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus says to him, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. That didn't just come off the top of your head. No, you received that revelation from my Father. And so therein, the Lord begins to lay out for us, if you will, these foundational purposes and usages and in his plan for the church. First and foremost, as I look at these first couple of verses, Jesus answers and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon by Jonah. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Stay with me here. I believe that the first Uh, idea or purpose if you will of the church is to convey the revelation of who Jesus is. Jesus starts off again this is the first time he ever even talks about the church first mention of the church but he says it's on this revelation it's on this declaration that you've made that you've received from my father that I'm going to establish my church. And so he says, look, Peter, flesh and blood didn't didn't reveal this to you. And he says something interesting to Peter. He says, Peter, he says, you are Peter. And the, the, the Greek word that's used there for Peter is Petros. You are Peter, which means small rock, solid but small. But on this Petra, large boulder of truth. I'm going to build my church. You, you, you're you, solid, but you're small. But it's on this large, profound truth, this rock of truth that you've just declared from the revelation of my Father. On that rock, I'm going to build my church. I'm loving this. It's on that truth. It's on that foundation. It's on that essential stone. It is necessary. This revelation that you've given on that Revelation, on that necessary foundation of truth is where I'm going to build my church. Stay with me here for a moment. Listen to me, Kettering. Listen to me, listeners. You cannot and will not be part of the church without that revelation. Y'all still here with me? Let me, let me, let me get a little more plain. We live in a society and a culture right now where everybody says they are a Christian. I mean, everybody, everybody, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. And we take that lightly, but let me say to you definitively, without understanding and without confessing and without knowing who Jesus is, you can't be part of the church. Help me, Lord. Let, let me let me make it even more plain because somebody just thought I isolated them from Kettering Baptist Church. No, I ain't talking about Kettering Baptist Church. I'm talking about the church of the living God. You cannot be his child. You cannot be a Christian, which means to be Christ-like if you don't know who Christ is. So it's on this foundation you first need to know who I am. Because he tells Peter, it's on this rock that I'm going to build my church. It's on this foundation that I'm going to build my church. So we need the church to convey who he is. How is the world going to know who he is if we don't tell him who he is? Because we've already seen in the text, the world is saying, when he asks the question, who do men say that I am? Oh, they say you John the Baptist. They say you, you Elijah or some other prophet. They, they got all kind of answers to who they think you are. And look around you today. Who do men say he is? Oh, he's just a good man. He's another prophet. I, I believe he existed, but I don't believe he's God. But, but no, the foundation of the church is knowing by the revelation of God himself who he is. Peter said, thou art the Christ." Thou art the Christos. You are the one and the only one who was promised to come through 42 generations. You are the one who's going to die on a cross. You are the one who is our redemption plan. You are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one who's going to make it possible for us to be called children of God. That's That's what Peter is saying. And He says, okay, Peter, on this rock, on this foundation, on this truth, on this mega truth, on this solid foundation, on this Petra rock of confidence, I'm going to build my church. And so in order for the church to keep being built, the church needs to keep conveying who he is. We need to keep telling people who he is. We need to keep sharing the revelation of who he is. And as we keep sharing the revelation of who he is, the church keeps on growing. So, yeah, we need the church. We need the church to to declare and to convey the revelation of who he is. Because if we don't, then people are left up to what men say or who men say he is. And if we leave the world up to deciding what men or who men say he is, we ain't never gonna make it into heaven. Help me, Lord Jesus. So I'm I'm kind of glad, I don't know how y'all feel about it, I'm kind of glad that the church was about its business when it came to me. That the church helped me to understand who he was. That there was a preacher in the house of God who declared without apology that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and nobody can get to God except they come through him. I'm kind of glad about that. I'm glad that the church had not compromised when I came along. And blended itself in with who men say he is. We need the church to declare by divine revelation who God says he is. Y'all still here with me? Secondly, he says to him, Peter, also you are Peter on this rock. I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I'm going to build my church on this foundational truth. That has been revealed to you by the Father. That's how I'm going to build my church. But watch this. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. What he doesn't say, stay with me. He does not say that the gates of Hades will not come against it. Which helps me understand something, that at the moment of declaration, of revelation of who he is, I ought to expect opposition from the gates of hell. Are y'all still here? Because he's telling us right here, here's how I'm going to build my church, but there's going to be opposition from the gates of Hades, that's hell, but the gates of hell will not overthrow this truth. Okay, let me, y'all, y'all, y'all look at me kind of funny. So when we declare he is God, the gates of Hades is going to come and say, he ain't God. When we declare he's the way, the truth and the life, nobody can get to God except to come to him. The gates of hell is going to come and say, oh no, there's other ways. There's many other ways to get to God. You can get to God any kind of other way. As long as you have a good heart, as long as you meditate long enough, as long as you burn enough incense, as long as you sell enough newspapers, as long as you sell enough moon pies, as long as you visit enough sites, as long as you do all this. No, no, no. No, we need to declare with confidence and assurance he is the only way. But expect that the gates of Hades is coming with all kinds of opposition. Y'all still here with me? If I tell you there's going to be opposition, you won't be surprised when it comes. Y'all, y'all hear, and so that's why I believe Jesus lets them know the gates of Hades is coming against you now uh, the, the phrase let me let me help you with this in, in ancient times in biblical times, the gates was the place where the wise men of the city came together and they planned and they strategized so their plans and plots and strategies for the city and for wartime would be made at the gates. when Jesus says, "The gates of hell are coming." Against the church, it is, watch this, an obligation of the church to contend against the gates of hell. So we're not just conveying the revelation of who Jesus is, but we have the responsibility as the church to contend against the gates of hell. We've got to stand and withstand the attack that's going to come against us and against the church from the gates of hell. Watch this, and the gates of hell. If I use this whole idea that the gates is where the strategies are planned, what that helps me to understand is we as the church have to be in place to contend against the strategies and the plans of the devil and the and the wisdom that comes from the city of hell. Are y'all still here with me? So hell is making a plan. They're sitting at the gate making a plan. How they're gonna overcome this truth that has been revealed? How are they going How are they gonna turn over the idea that Jesus? is God. How are they going to overturn the idea that he's the only way? And so they've come up with all kinds of plans to overturn the truth that has been conveyed. Can I tell y'all one of them? We are all the same. We're all God's children. That's a lie from the front doors of hell's gates. We ain't all the same. We are not all God's children. I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says that For those who have not received him, you are not his children, you're none of his. In fact, he says, You are of your father, the devil, who you've been birthed in, and in sin and iniquity. That's your daddy. It's we're not all God's children. And guess what? Just because you acknowledge there is a God doesn't make you my brother in Christ. The scripture says, the devil believes there's a God. Oh, I believe, I believe, I believe there's a God. So does the devil. And trembles. You haven't done nothing by saying you believe in God. But if, if, if we can watch this. If the enemy's strategy is to cause us all to believe we're all okay and we're all the same, guess what? We'll stop as the church declaring the revelation of who Jesus is. Because I'll believe you and me, we're just the same. No, we ain't all the same. They'll get me to, to want to, to accept everything and anything that people throw out. I'm not going to accept that. You shouldn't accept that. Because we have a responsibility as the church to contend against the lies and the strategies that are made at the gates of hell that's coming against the house of God. That's why we need the church. If the church doesn't do its job, who's going to do it? We need the church to stand firmly on the foundation that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the son of the living God. That he is the one that Peter declares by revelation of God himself. That he is who he says he is. We need the church. The gates also, this, this phrase that is used, gates of hell, is also used to denote death. So, in their particular biblical time, if someone says, you know, you're laying on your bed and the doctor's been coming in and the nurse has been coming in and they say, well, the, the gates of hell are coming for. So, what they mean, you get ready to die. So, this phrase, if I use that phrase in the context of this passage, if I use that understanding of the phrase, he says, The gates of hell will not prevail once you have this truth. Y'all still here with me? So, in other words, let me tell you, death is coming. Not only are the strategies and the tricks and the vices and the plans of the devil coming against the kingdom of God, but death is coming too. Death is coming your way. And watch this. And the church has an obligation to stand and contend even against death. How do we do that? We do that by declaring who he is. Because I need you to understand something death is coming. Hello, Jesus. Death is coming. Y'all don't believe me. Pull up your phone and look at the picture that you took of yourself five years ago. That's proof. Death is coming. Let that dye wear out of your hair. See how gray it is. That's, that's, that's that's, That's a postcard from death that says, I'm on my way. You remember when you used to get up in the morning, jump out the bed, run to the bathroom, but now you get up And sit on side the bed and say, Lord, have mercy. Where this pain come from, Lord Jesus, help me make it to the bathroom. That's evidence that death is coming. You remember you used to be able to see anything and everything. You had 2040 vision, and now you need spectacles to read anything. And it looked like the letters then got smaller and smaller. Who in the world made a Bible with number three font? It ain't number three font. It's number 12 font. It's just an indicator that death is coming. I want you to understand it's coming your way. But if you're not ready for it, when it comes, it'll defeat you. I'm going to build my church on the foundation of truth that Jesus is the Messiah. And when death comes, if you have received that truth, death won't defeat you. Oh, Lord, have mercy. But if you deny the truth, death will defeat you when it comes. Let me read a couple passages for you because I need us to get this whole thing that we are going to face death, and because we're going to face death, First John 5, 5 says this. It says, who is he that overcomes the world? You want to overcome the world? You want to defeat death when it comes? Who is he that overcomes the world? 1 John 5, 5 says, but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's how we contend against death when it comes. We need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It, but you have a choice. You don't have to believe. First John chapter 2, verse 22 says, He is a liar who is a liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. So you don't have to believe. You don't have to. It's up to you. But those who do believe overcome the world, and we overcome death when it comes because death is coming. And the thing that's going to help me overcome death is knowing who Jesus is and believing who he is and putting my faith in who he is. But without that foundational truth, I'm none of his. And when death comes, death is going to defeat me.
1: To continue our journey, tune in next week for the second half of today's message. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Buchis Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions and support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Buchas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence.